Hello, Bills fans. Welcome to another episode of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a Buffalo Bills podcast from an all-female perspective. I'm your host, Danielle, and I have with me my co-host, Robin. Say hello, Robin. Hello. And we will be bringing you some interesting topics today for the podcast. Hint, a lot of mental things going on this week. To start, I want to read a tweet from Adam Benigni or Benigni. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he's from WGRZ. And he said about Josh Allen, Bill's Josh Allen says pregame and in-game jitters prevented him from getting into a rhythm earlier in the game. This is something that both Robin and I have talked about multiple times on the podcast. And some people would say and argue with us that, no, we don't see that he's jittery. We don't think his nerves are coming into play. It's just something that the media and other people are making up. But me and Robin have certainly seen Josh Allen's jitters come into play quite a bit this season. Let's talk about that a little bit, Robin. Oh, yes, we have seen it. We've talked about it from the beginning of the season. In the first drive, when Josh Allen would come out, very often he was very jacked up. And some people think it's very hard to evaluate that, but it really isn't. When you see the evidence of somebody continually overthrowing, not seeing open receivers, behaving like they have a case of the jitters. For Josh to admit that, actually in and of itself, I think is a big thing, especially publicly. You know, well, I had the jitters. Well, he understands clearly that he's got to gain control of his mind, and especially at the beginning of games. Now, one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past is the decision whether or not to take the ball at the beginning of the game. And I have said repeatedly that it's really a good idea to defer for the sake of Josh and his jitters. And I always feel better. I do. I always feel better when they get the choice to defer for the Bills because I think it helps Josh a lot to be able to sit behind the bench, take a deep breath, and get his mind wrapped around what he's doing. I agree with that. I love when we defer because you're right. It gets them time to settle down, especially, you know, when they're on the road and they're in somebody else's house and he can sit on the bench and kind of get a feel for the crowd that is going to be booing him and, you know, being loud and things like that. I prefer when they can win the coin toss and defer as well. So that's that. But I also think in a way, if you look back to last year, he was kind of thrown in there as a starter. He didn't open the season as the starter. It was Nathan Peterman. What I think is that this year is his first full year as the guy for the team. It's his team and he knows it. So that's a lot of pressure on his shoulders already. Yeah, he knows he was drafted to be the quarterback, but when it's hitting you in the face, it's real. He also has the first year this year as being the captain of the team. He didn't have that C on his jersey last year. So that goes along with his job and what he's being asked to do as well. Then you look at it from this perspective, and this is something that we can probably all relate to. When you go to a new job, or especially if you're promoted or you know higher up in a position somewhere at a corporation or wherever, when you first take on that role, you're not the guy. I mean, yeah, you might be a boss, but it doesn't make you a boss. You have to prove yourself. You have to go through the motions and do things that make people see you as the guy. 
And for Josh Allen, that's what he's trying to do right now in his first full season as a captain and as starter of the Buffalo Bills. I look at it like he almost, in his mind, I think he feels like he doesn't belong quite yet because there's a lot of veterans on the team and players who have been there, done that kind of thing. And he hasn't. He doesn't have the experience. This is why it's so important that people understand that someone like Patrick Mahomes, who can come in and take the reins right away and be fantastic, he's the exception to the rule. Most other quarterbacks need experience. They need time. And especially for Josh Allen, who came in raw. This experience that he's gaining this year and now going to the playoffs is going to be huge for him. And those jitters will eventually go away when he starts feeling like the guy. It's going to be incremental steps until he gets to the point where he's not opening up games hyperadrenalized, as we've talked about before. That's a very good point. And the only thing I can add to that is that when you brought up the issue of experience, experience is very, very important. And it differs in terms of how one individual responds to a certain experience than another individual. So in Josh's case, He probably has something that we're all familiar with to some degree, performance anxiety. You know, you're put out there to do something and there's 65,000 people with their eyeballs all peeled on you and you're 23 years old and you have this great big giant responsibility on your shoulders. No pressure there. So yeah, you know, it's understandable. Some people have physically, you know, we've talked about this in prior podcasts as well. Some people are hot reactors their body responds before they even have a chance to try to control it. So if that's the case, and I know earlier in the week I saw a tweet that Sal Capaccio had come out with in terms of suggesting meditation or a relaxation technique of some sort, and that's a very good idea, depending on if the individual is open to trying to use a technique like that. They can work, they can be very effective, but there are a lot of other things that you can also do. But the bottom line is, it's experience that's going to help him get rid of that performance anxiety. He's still going through what I would call his first, meaning like, okay, your first road game against the Patriots, you know, with a division on the line, that kind of thing. These are a series of firsts. And imagine this, how do you think the rest of the quarterbacks in the same class he was drafted in are feeling while they sit at home and watch Josh and Lamar go to the playoffs and experience what it's like to play a playoff game? How valuable is that experience, Danielle? It's extremely valuable. And, you know, only his second season and he's already in the playoffs. That's a big deal. And part of that, part of the reason that the Bills are in the playoffs are because of Josh Allen. He's the leader of the team. How he plays a lot of times determine how the outcome of the game is going to go. So that is invaluable experience. And you said it. The other quarterbacks, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, they don't get that experience this year. They didn't get it last year. They're going to go into their third seasons next year, not really knowing what it's like to be in a big game. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson will, and that's going to be huge for their confidence and huge going forward. And you said that it was important that Josh Allen recognized his flaws. Yeah, I started off with the jitters and that's kind of what affected my game. That is important. And it brings me back to weeks ago when the Patriots were playing the Jets and Sam Darnold was heard saying, I'm seeing ghosts. Everybody laughed at him for that, but you know, yeah, it was it was a funny thing at the time because they are one of our division rivals and they're both 2018 quarterbacks always being compared to each other and you get a little bit of a laugh about it. But 
for me, it was really important. And I thought kind of a big step for Sam Darnold that he recognizes what's going on. He knows that, yeah, the pressure wasn't always there. And I'm just kind of seeing ghosts that aren't there. That's a big deal for these quarterbacks. It's like a humbling experience for them. And for them to admit it publicly, I think shows their character and shows that both quarterbacks will probably go far in the future. I agree with that. And and to even amplify that a little more, it says a lot about both quarterbacks that they get this experience and they learn from it. And when they take that experience and they move on to the next level, they learn from that one too. It brings me back to a discussion we have had in the past in terms of how these quarterbacks from that class differ, and they differ a lot. These quarterbacks cannot be evaluated in the same way, comparing each other to one another. And we'll get into that, you know, a little bit later. But suffice it to say, Josh Allen understands from his experience, he gets the jitters. Now he's figuring out how do I deal with that? Just like if he had a problem with his foot mechanics. And I don't understand why people try to differentiate between the mental aspect of of learning something and the physical aspect of learning because experience is like muscle memory. You go out and you play in a playoff game, you gain experience that you can't you you can't even put it into words. There are no words for the value that you can attach to having a playoff game in your repertoire going into your third season as an NFL quarterback. It's a huge thing. It's massive. And you know what? Now that you brought it up, let's go into the next part of our podcast. You had brought a tweet to my attention. And it was someone saying or asking, is Daniel Jones better than Josh Allen? And cover one quote tweeted that tweet and said, General thought related to questions like this. Who has time to really break down the film of two quarterbacks to compare them fairly? The time it takes to learn the nuances of one offense, quarterback in it, and his traits is time-consuming enough. That's why I rarely compare players. And you had said that this was an important tweet and an important question. Why? Well, it ties right into what we were talking about before in terms of having the jitters in each quarterback learning from their own experience and adapting in their own way. The reason I brought that tweet up is because, first of all, Eric Turner is a genius in my mind. And I think I responded to that tweet and said something like, this guy would be a good research scientist because he would be. And the reason that he would be is because he gets it in terms of understanding statistical analysis appropriately. What he's implying here is you can't compare one quarterback to another. And we see this over and over and over and over again, especially the class of 2018. And Baker Mayfield did this this year. And Josh Rosen is going to be on his third team in three years. So the experience that each one of these quarterbacks have is so different. How in the world can you compare them when their situations are completely different? It's an extreme irritation to me when I see people pulling stats together and trying to make comparisons between quarterbacks because it's not a statistically valid thing to do. Right. You know, you can make comparisons what type of quarterback they are. I always say that Josh Allen sort of reminds me of a Matt Stafford. But when it comes to, is this quarterback better than this one? Is this quarterback going to succeed in the future more than this quarterback? There are so many different factors, and Eric is right. 
what kind of college experience did they have? What kind of high school experience did they have? What kind of coaching did they have before they came to the NFL? What is their personality like? Are they coachable? Are they not coachable? And are they very stubborn? What kind of weapons do they have around them? Their wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, running back. What kind of coaching do they have in the NFL right now? What are they being asked to do? We don't know that because we're not the coaches. So we can't say that for a fact. So all of these things combine together and cover one is absolutely right. You can't, it's hard to compare quarterbacks in the league because you just don't know what's going on a lot of times. And there's so many different variables and it would take way too long. And really, unless you're getting paid, who has time for that? Bottom line is it's an exercise in futility and mathematically it doesn't work. You can't have that many different variables in terms of everything you just mentioned. The context of how that quarterback plays in a given system compared to another quarterback playing in a completely different system with different coaches in a different front office and different teammates, the variables are crazy. It doesn't make sense to do that. The only thing you can do is compare them. Like you said, you can say this quarterback reminds me of another quarterback because of A, B, C, D. But to place a value judgment on a quarterback, this quarterback is better than that quarterback based on A, B, C, D. I'm going to jump all over that because that statistically is not a good, it's, it's not a good thing to do. Let me just put it that way. The math doesn't work. And even if you look at just that specific tweet comparing Allen with Jones, the Giants and the Bills are just two completely different teams. You know, the Bills have a really great defense. They have the only thing that they really have in common is the fact that they're both young quarterbacks. But Mm -hmm. Allen doesn't have a vet behind him who's won multiple Super Bowls against the New England Patriots. So there's that. The GM and Gettleman, there's talk that he might be fired after this year. We have a better structure than they do. We don't have that kind of instability in our front office. And believe you me, that that does affect the whole team, not just the quarterback. When it's in the back of their minds that, hey, these guys might not be here next year. So eh, what are we playing for this year? You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's the bottom line is to be a better consumer of data. That's kind of my little wild rant of the day. Be a better consumer of data. When you read something, when you read a bunch of stats, ask yourself, the first question you should ask yourself is what could be wrong with this statistic? That's the first question you should ask yourself Mm -hmm. because every statistic has a story behind it. And you sometimes people will clip these things together and it's like this statistic plus this statistic plus this statistics equals this conclusion. And my irritation is that many times the this plus this plus this mathematically doesn't work. So the most important thing you can do is be a discerning consumer of data. When you look at something, ask yourself, is this really measuring what it says it's supposed to be measuring? and go from there. Right. Don't get duped by statistics that on the surface may seem like one thing, but when you really dive deep and critically think about it, they don't mean jack shit. Just don't get duped by it. Yeah. And my bottom line is be careful in terms of when, for example, if you look at the work that Cover One does, the work that Eric Turner does with his analysis is supremely 
good work. And he can, and I've seen it happen on Twitter, he'll make an inference about something and someone will take him on. And he has the supporting evidence every single time in terms of if he's going to say point A, then he's got the evidence to put it in place. And most of the time, he's right about what what he says. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for that because he also, at the same time, recognizes the limitations of the data because data is all fraught with all kinds of limitations, all data. It doesn't matter what kind of data it is. And so you have to be careful not to let yourself get sucked into this idea that only these analytical methodologies can give you the answer to anything because they don't always do a good job of putting the data together. And you know what? I'll give you an example of that. Now that you're talking about it, there was a tweet that Bill's QB Watch had retweeted. And the tweet was from Aaron Schatz, self-proclaimed creator of DVOA. He said, advanced stats love the Cowboys, not just DVOA. They're a top 10 team by DVOA, by PFREF, SRS, by EPA. But the point of the game isn't to do well in advanced metrics. It's to win. And they didn't do that enough. I mean, that just sums up everything that we just talked about. They're not even going to be in the playoffs, even though they seem like a top 10 team in advanced metrics. They're not. This is exactly why people who believe only in this stuff miss people like Josh Allen, who come along and defy every statistical category you want to put them in. And Josh is just one example of that. But that is that's a perfect perfect example. And he's absolutely right. He is absolutely right. And I'm glad I found that tweet and remembered about that tweet as we were talking because it just fits so perfectly into what we were saying. Absolutely. Let's move on to the last part of the podcast. And this is a big one. During the Patriots game, we saw Josh Allen connect on two deep passes, one to Dawson Knox that set up the touchdown at the end of the first half. And the second was a deep ball to John Brown, which ended up in a touchdown because he ran a perfect route. Josh Allen threw the perfect ball and the rest was history. Do you think that this Patriots game could be a turning point for Josh Allen and his confidence with throwing the deep ball? Absolutely. And, you know, I think it even goes back maybe a little further. You see this with Josh. He takes a step forward and then he turns around, sucks it up, screws it up, learns from it, and comes out the next time 100%. It's amazing. So we know that Josh Allen all season long has been dogged by the deep ball. Well, This plays right into everything we've been talking to about this podcast up to this point right now about the jitters. The overthrows that he has on the deep ball are almost assuredly a case of the jitters. You know, people want to say it's accuracy. I don't think it's accuracy. I think he gets jacked up and he understands that he's getting too jacked up and he's trying to figure out a way how to deal with it. And I think he will. And through experience alone, as we talked about before, he will be able to deal with that. But the deep ball is coming. And once that connects consistently for him, that's where the tide will change greatly. Regarding Josh Allen and the deep ball and his his ability to connect on the deep ball, as you pointed out in a conversation we had earlier, he hits that deep ball 
and then he gains confidence and then he knows he can hit it again. And as you pointed out, how many how many deep balls are there in any given game? One, maybe two, most. If he hits on one of them, it can change the outcome of the game. It can change the complexion of the game because momentum swings big when you have a big play like that. You get Josh to connect on a deep ball. The momentum changes. He feels, you know, he's starting to feel comfortable. Everything shifts. It's huge. So, yeah, I think that we're starting to see him hit his stride a little bit. And I will say this much, not making excuses for Josh, but we don't have that kind of receiver that he needs who will go aggressively after the ball. A couple of days I've been watching other teams play and you watch like Odell Beckham Jr. You watch some of these guys, they're aggressive when they go for the ball. And Josh doesn't have receivers like that. And he doesn't have receivers that he's completely 100% on the same page with yet. I think it'll come with Cole Beasley and John Brown. But I also think that they need another big-bodied white. They need Cortland Sutton. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. We need the meat. (laughs) Give us the meat. Yeah. And right, because I said when we were talking prior to the podcast, most games, you know, the quarterback hits on one deep pass. Two, maybe, and that's impressive. Anything more than two is just absolutely game changers. So I think that Josh has the potential to hit on multiple deep balls per game as he did against the Patriots. And this does build his confidence. And I think a lot of people want to try to blame it on Josh Allen has no touch. That's not true. We've seen plenty of passes where he showed touch when he throws to his receivers or to his running backs or to his tight ends. So that's not true at all. Again, and we've said this before, I think it's a big mental aspect. He sees a wide receiver or tight end coming open. He gets overexcited and hyperadrenalized, and he overthrows the ball. It's kind of as simple as that. It, now, it's not as simple to change how he feels, but he's starting to work on that. And like you said, once he threw that first deep ball and it landed right to Dawson Knox perfectly in his hands, and I think it was a beautiful arch, too. It was. It, it was. It was. Yeah. It was spectacular. I just want to add in there that as he gets the touchdown, you know, how, how do you like that word? Touchdown. touchdown. As he gets that touchdown, he is going to have much more confidence taking even more risks in terms of plays that only he has the ability to do. Because that's the other thing about Josh Allen that even his worst critics will admit, there are times that he can throw a pass that I don't think there's another quarterback, maybe Mahomes, can do Mm -hmm. in the the NFL right now. You know, these are big boy throws. And that's why I think that he, as soon as he starts connecting a little bit more on those deep balls, they're going to get into that quote muscle memory thing that we were talking about. He's going to relax. Because here's the bottom line for Josh Allen. When he has performance anxiety, what happens with performance anxiety is you you are taken out of the moment because you're in a place of fear. And so when you're in a place of fear, you're thinking about something other than what's going on in that given moment. You're right. Because your body is it's caught up in that fear. And that little bit of a response is all it takes to adrenalize yourself. And so 
as he becomes more experienced and he sees the same kind of plays happening over and over and over again, and he becomes more comfortable with his wide receivers because he trusts them and he knows where they're going to be at, all of that will start clicking into place. We're starting to see just the little beginnings of it, I think. I think so. Yep. And (laughs) it just, you know, it kind of reminds me of when I worked for a law firm and I had to send a really big email to a really important person within our local government. And I was so nervous about it because I think I was securing like half a million dollar grant for one of the municipalities in the area. And I sent it and I thought I double checked it, but I was just so nervous and wanted to get it done and over with. And right in the very first couple words, instead of good morning, I put goof morning, (laughs) G-O-O-F. And I felt like such an idiot, but it's one of those things. I was sending that email in a place of fear. Like you said, performance anxiety and everything else was so perfect. And the plans were laid out so nicely on how I was going to secure this grant for them and everything else. And I said, goof morning. And I just felt like such an idiot. So I totally get where Josh Allen's coming from with all of this and the jitters. That's a really good analogy, to be honest with you. And here's the thing about even your situation. Your letter probably got more attention because of the mistake that you made. So maybe it worked out to your advantage. Maybe. I'll tell you what, though. I I deleted it and I hid it because I did not want my boss to see that because he was such a stickler for things. And I was always very detail-oriented. So that was uncharacteristic for me. But that was embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else to add about the whole Josh Allen deep ball thing. I think we've pretty much covered covered it all. Okay. Well, then we're going to move on to our final part of the podcast. As always, it is our giveaway. This week, we were giving away a signed 8x10 of legend coach Marv Levy. And on this 8x10, it said HOF for Hall of Fame, a 1. So this was kind of a big hit. A lot of people wanted to win it. Unfortunately, we can only pick one winner. And I'm going to do that right now. The winner of the signed 8x10 Marv Levy picture is Cody Sullivan. And that's at Cody Sully, S-U-L-L-E-Y, and a little underscore next to his name. So congratulations to you, Cody. You have to get with Jim Ruther. And he'll give you all the details. For this week, I'm not sure what our giveaway will be. I also have to get with Jim Ruther. It's been kind of crazy because of the holidays. But it'll be the same as always. The pin tweet at the top of our profile, at the Mafia Mavens. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you follow Jim Ruther at Jimmy Reu, R-E-U-8-1. And put a screenshot of you listening to the podcast underneath the pinned tweet. And tag three people. So they know about our podcast and word gets out there. Before we go, please make sure that you're listening to all of the podcasts in the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network, which we're a part of as well. You won't find a bigger, more diverse group of podcasts anywhere on the Bills. They are Believe, Blitzed Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Circling the Wagons, The Nick and Nolan Show, and our own Mafia Mavens. As always, Bills fans, thanks for listening, and let's go Buffalo. 